Turn with me in God's Word to the book of Acts, chapter 24. We'll take that as our beginning text. Thank you, Pastor, for the invitation to be here today. And thank you, saints, for gathering at the meeting house. We have been looking forward to our time together. And I do appreciate you all and your giving to the work of the Baptist History Preservation Society. We'll give you an update on the work as the week goes on. But it's always good to look together into the scriptures, and we want to do that this morning. Acts 24, and beginning with verse 24. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener, and communed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I need your help to preach this morning. But Father, I do ask that the scriptures would be a help unto the saints who have gathered. And Lord, I pray if there be one in our midst today who does not know you as Savior, that, Father, the Scriptures would speak to them as well, and they might see their need for salvation. God, we are mindful of your help, your mercy, your blessings. And we ask all these things in the name of your Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As we find Paul in Acts 24, standing before Felix, he is doing what... Often he does. He is speaking the word of God. He no doubt gives his own testimony. But he is reasoning, the Bible says, with him of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Three worthy subjects to contemplate. And yet it is the one that we will dwell upon this morning, judgment to come. Just in that phrase, we understand not only that there will be judgment, but that judgment is in the future. This is judgment to come. There is, if we would turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 6, a portion of God's Word that also mentions judgment. And beginning with verse 1 we read, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. The Bible here in Hebrews 6 also speaks of judgment. And says that it is eternal judgment. And so we know that judgment is to come. And that judgment is eternal. 
And this ought to be enough to put to rest the false doctrine of universal salvation. The teaching that says that judgment is only for a little while and that this eternal judgment and judgment to come would only affect folks so long as they are paying for the sins which they have committed. And once that has sufficed a holy God, they will be released from their suffering and that judgment will have been fulfilled and that they might all be with God for eternity. There have been many who have been entrapped in that doctrine to think that not only is salvation universal, but that judgment is only temporary. Let me say that God has taught us in His Word that judgment is to come, that judgment is eternal, and we examine the Scriptures and to whom this applies in light of context. And you are very familiar with context here at the Grace Baptist Church. We must always examine the Scriptures in that way, and if we would speak about judgment today, there are several of which the Scriptures speak. John chapter 16 and verse 11 tells us of a judgment that was accomplished when the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, and the Spirit of God would be subsequently sent to this world. John chapter 16, verse 8, And when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin, because they believe not on Me, of righteousness because I go to My Father and you see Me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. And when the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, then we know the prince of this world is judged. His judgment is sure. His doom is certain. And you know that Satan, though he is still allowed to work, and while he is still our adversary now, and while he still besets us, there is coming a day when that will no longer be the case. And I look forward to that time. The Scripture also tells us of the judgment seat of Christ. If we look to the book of Romans, chapter 14. Romans 14, this is one place where the Scripture mentions the judgment seat. Romans 14, verse 10, But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And this is the judgment for those who are saved, who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. We will stand before the judgment seat in the future. We know as well that the Scripture speaks of another judgment, and we find that one mentioned in the book of Matthew chapter 25, and we look to that portion of God's Word. Matthew 25, and beginning with... Verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. You have been taught here to always examine the text 
to determine to whom the Lord is speaking, at what time the events are taking place that the Scripture tells us about. And when we examine the Word of God in that light, we understand that the judgment that is about to be presented unto us here takes place in the future. It takes place when the Lord Jesus Christ returns in His second advent to establish His kingdom upon this earth for 1,000 years. And at that time, according to verse 32, the Scripture says, And before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. This is a judgment of the nations at that future time. This is not a judgment that affects the saint of God. This is not a judgment that those of us who are saved will have to give an account at. We know that this is when He judges nations, not individuals, but entire nations. And the basis of that judgment is presented to us here in Matthew 25. And this, I must say, is one of the most misapplied and misinterpreted passages in all of the Word of God. There are many people who will wrongly apply this passage unto them, and we find that it is solely a judgment based on how nations have ministered unto the brethren of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Jews, the nation of Israel, during the tribulation period. The Bible tells us in verse 34, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The criteria for I was in hunger and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger and ye took me in naked and ye clothed me. I was sick and ye visited me. I was in prison and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me." Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And the criteria is the same. These nations, the goat nations, were cast into everlasting fire because they did not minister unto God's chosen people, the Jews, the nation of Israel, during the tribulation period. And this is the perfect cross-reference for what we find in the ninth Psalm and the 17th verse, where the Scripture tells us there, the wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. There is coming a future time when entire nations will be cast into hell. And Matthew chapter 25 tells us of that time. Now keep in mind that this nation at times has been a minister unto the nation of Israel. And we would desire that that continue. Now you know, as far as the saved are concerned, we will not have to answer at the nation judgment. 
But God help those who are unsaved in this country. If they do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ before he returns for the saints, they'll have to give an account at this judgment as a nation. Now it's interesting. That's not the final judgment. There is another judgment that is mentioned in Scripture, and that's the great white throne judgment, and we turn to Revelation 20. Revelation 20. And while there are many cross-references to support all of these judgments, we are giving a few this morning and presenting doctrinal truth. Revelation 20, and the Bible tells us there, beginning with verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works." The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is not a judgment of nations. This is a judgment of individuals, of each and every person who has rejected God. Those who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ will give an individual account based on their works at the great white throne judgment. We, as saints of God, will not be judged at the great white throne. Remember, we will give account of our work at the judgment seat of Christ. Can you imagine, though, nations standing before the king at the beginning of the millennial kingdom? And entire nations being cast collectively into hell according to Psalm 9 and verse 17. And then at the end of the 1,000 years according to Revelation 20, those same individuals that comprise those nations will stand at another judgment. The judgment of the great white throne to give individual account for what they have done with Jesus. And yet that's the order of the judgment. We understand that this judgment is eternal. We understand it is future. We know that the Bible tells us in John chapter 5, if we look to that portion of God's Word. John chapter 5. The Bible tells us there in verse 28, Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. When we talk about the scriptures, certainly you understand as students of God's word that we must rightly divide the word of truth. And here is one place where it behooves us to do so. Lest we be like many who have gone before us and believe that there is a general resurrection and that there is a general judgment. That everyone is raised from the dead at the same time and that all are judged at the same time in the future. But that's not what the Word of God is teaching here. You understand that the Scripture says that there is an hour coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life. 
and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Two different resurrections and two different judgments are chronicled here. This is not one and the same. We understand that both are in the future. But we know that there are two different resurrections that are mentioned here at this time. And the scripture tells us in verse 22 of the same chapter of John, John chapter 5, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Who is it? By dying on the cross that brought judgment unto Satan, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is it that has the judgment seat before which all Christians will stand? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is it that will sit upon the King of His glory before whom all nations shall be brought and be separated with the goat nations and the sheep nations? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And who is it that will sit upon the great white throne to judge the unsaved dead? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible is correct, is it not, when it says, For the Father judgeth no man, but committed all judgment unto the Son. And we understand something about the character of this judgment. The Bible tells us concerning that in Genesis chapter 18. The question is asked to us there in verse 25. That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? The obvious answer is to the question is yes. The judge of all the earth will do right. He will not judge wrongly. He cannot be bought. His decision is final. He will not pervert judgment. And the Bible tells us further in the book of Job, Job chapter 34 and verse 12, Yea, surely God will not do wickedly, neither will the Almighty pervert judgment. Aren't you thankful that you do not have to stand before your fellow man to be judged? Earthly judges do make mistakes. Earthly judges can be bought at times. And it's very rare in this day in which we live to find one who will act according to the right laws and make the right judgment and always have truth and equity before them. But we do not have to be concerned about that with the Lord Jesus Christ. For His laws are always just and His judgments are always pure. We know that there is a standard by which he will judge. And the Bible tells us that in John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Begin with verse 46. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. The Lord Jesus Christ is telling us here the standard by which he will judge. 
It is His Word. It's not complicated. We preach the Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified, buried, risen, and coming again. And we understand that just the preaching of the Word of God, the preaching of the gospel that falls upon the ears of many across the world, we know that that itself will be a standard by which the Lord Jesus Christ will judge men in the future. We stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will give an account of our work based upon what the Word of God says. We know that the lost will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at the great white throne judgment. And it will be this book that determines whether their works pass the test at that time or not. Folks, should we not then give heed to the Word of God? And should we not then put our time in studying the Scriptures so that we may know what is required of us therein? Yes, we should. We understand about the judgment. We know that there is an order. And in many places in God's Word, just as it was in John chapter 5, it is laid out for us. Acts chapter 10, and the Bible tells us there in verse 38... How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were pressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead." And here we find another scriptural evidence that he will judge the quick. That's those who are saved. That's those who have been quickened and will be quickened. Quickened in our spirit now, quickened in our bodies at the resurrection. He will be our judge, but he is also the judge of the dead. And we read that in Revelation 20. Look at what your King James Bible has done again. Not only presenting truth concerning the judgment, but giving the very order of the judgments. He'll judge the quick and he'll judge the dead. And the Bible goes on to give more identifying characteristics of the judgment and the time in Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. The scripture there says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Again, we must rightly divide the word of truth. We understand that he will judge the quick, that's the saved, and the dead, that's the lost, but he will judge the quick at his appearing. The word appearing, often describing the catching away of the saints, what we normally refer to as the rapture. He will judge the quick at His appearing. He'll judge the dead at His kingdom. And everything is in its proper order and nothing is out of place as far as the Scriptures are concerned. And so we have examined the judgments briefly already this morning and we understand we understand the nature of the judgment and the order of the judgment. And we know the nature of the judge that it will be the quick and the dead. It will be the saved versus the lost. The righteous versus the unrighteous. The godly versus the ungodly. The redeemed versus the wicked. 
But let me say something to you this morning. If you are a saint, and man cannot make saints, saints are made whenever people believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you're a saint this morning, aren't you thankful that He did make your salvation possible? Aren't you thankful that you will not have to stand before the King and be judged based on how your nation ministered unto Israel, the brethren of Jesus, the Jews, during the tribulation period? Aren't you thankful as the redeemed that you will not have to stand before the great white throne and be cast into the lake of fire? We should be. But do you know what happened when you got saved? You were cleansed from your sin. Many portions of God's Word tells us of that truth. First John 1, verse 7, Revelation 1, verse 5, just to name a few. Let me say to you, just to encourage the saints this morning, and the judgment that's yet in the future, when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, you will not, you will not at that time give an account for your sin. Why? Because you have already been forgiven of that sin. Your sin is not under the blood. Your sin is not covered by the blood. According to Revelation 1 verse 5, you have been washed from your sins in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are gone. We will not stand at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of any sin that we have committed. They have already been washed away past, present, and future. So why will we be there? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3. The Bible tells us, beginning with verse 13, Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. This is speaking of the judgment seat of Christ. And there is a judgment that's taking place here. And we are being judged at the judgment seat of Christ, not for sin which we have committed, not for the good which we have performed, but we are being judged there according to our work. And notice this unique feature of your King James Bible. It is W-O-R-K. There's no S there. We are being judged for our work, not works. But our work, what is our work? On that day, Brother Jim will have to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for how he pastored the Grace Baptist Church. This is the work to which he has been called. If you are a teacher in this church, you have a work that is set before you. You'll give an account on whether you have applied yourself to that work. Does sin enter into the equation? 
not as far as your judgment is concerned, but as far as your work is concerned, it might. And that's why sin is referred to, as far as the Christian is concerned, as besetting sin. Sin can be a distraction. If you get into sin and it's wrong if you do, then it can keep you from prosecuting the work which God has called you unto. So sin can hinder your work. And therefore we understand that we should not live ungodly, that we should not be unrighteous, that we should not sin in this life, not only because it brings shame, honor, and disgrace to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and not only because it can hurt others, but because it keeps us from performing the work which God has put before us to do. Some of you young people might be called into God's service and there may be a work that you'll do as a preacher of the gospel, maybe as a missionary to a foreign country. If God calls you to do something, give yourself wholly to that work and prosecute it in a way that will bring glory and honor to Him and in which you will not be ashamed and your work will not suffer loss at the judgment seat of Christ. Do you sing in the church? You have a work that you have been entrusted with. God has given each one of us talents and abilities with which we may prosecute the work that is put before us. And we'll be judged for that work. Mothers, wives, you have a work. It's to be the kind of wife and mother that God would have you to be. Men, are you a father? Are you a husband? Grandfather, you have a work in that office whereby God requires certain things of you. Have you been what you should have been? Are you prosecuting that work? There is a work that God has for each and every person to perform upon the face of the earth. Some of them may be very similar. Some of them may be quite different. But whatever it is that God has for us to do, we will give an account of that work at the judgment seat of Christ. And this never varies in the Scripture. If we turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, the Bible tells us there. In verse 17. And if you call on the Father who without respect to persons judgeth according to every man's work, no S, Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear for as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, you are redeemed by the blood of Christ. But you'll be judged according to your work. The blood's taken care of your sin. You're responsible to take care of your work. The Bible tells us as well if we look to Revelation 22. Revelation 22 and verse 12. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. We determine unto whom the Lord is speaking. And when He is speaking to a Christian, He talks about His future judgment as His work is concerned. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And each and every time you find the criteria given 
by which the saved will be judged. It's work. W-O-R-K, not works. It ought to cause us to think of who we are as God's people and what He would have us to do as individuals. Your work, what is it? Some of you young people have not yet discovered what your great life's work will be. But part of your work now as saved young people is to be obedient to your parents. It's to maintain a good testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can be fit and useful for His work in the future. Collectively speaking, though we will be judged as individuals, you know that if you are members of the Grace Baptist Church in Sydney, Ohio, that you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day and you'll give account of how you have prosecuted the work within this local church because you are a part of it. He has you here. This is part of what you have to do. Not just sitting upon the pew. Not just enjoying the work which everyone else does. But taking part in the work. And helping that work by your labor. As well as your attendance. By your sacrifice. By your giving. Lending your abilities and your intellect and your awe. To seeing God's work in this place prosper. On the other hand, there is a different criteria that's used in the judgment for the unsaved. We look to Matthew 16. And again, this never varies in God's Word. And this is something for those who may be here this morning who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ to consider. Matthew 16, verse 27. The Bible says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels. Again, it's telling us the time period. It's at His second advent. When He comes. The Bible says in verse 27, And then He shall reward every man according to His works. W-O-R-K-S. His works. It won't be work then. It will be works. It will not be saved people who are being judged. The judgment seat of Christ will have already taken place at that time. This will be the judgment of the nations that's referred to here in Matthew chapter 16. And the people who stand before the Lord Jesus Christ on that occasion will talk about their works. For you see, if His work On the cross of Calvary, and Him rising from the dead is not good enough for you to believe in, then you must think that your works are good enough to gain you entrance into heaven or to gain His approval. And so at that time, men will give an account of their works what they have done. And that's laid out for us in Matthew chapter 25. And in Matthew chapter 7, 
Does the Bible not say in verse 21 concerning the time of the kingdom, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, this is not the judgment seat, remember. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works? It's plural. Remember the judgment at the great white throne then in Revelation 20. And what is the criteria that's going to be used at that time? Revelation 20, again we read in verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Plural. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And folks, when you find the saved being judged in Scripture, it's only according to their work. When you find the lost being judged, it's according to their works. The things which they have performed in their body. Hopefully to be impressive before God at the judgment. But he will not be impressed. He will not be moved. For that's not what he required of men. He required on them to believe him and obey him. Saint, how are things going with your work? You know you're going to stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ. Have you given yourselves to the work as you ought? Are you comfortable with standing before him at the judgment seat if he should call for you now? Have you prosecuted your work in a way that's pleasing unto him? If not, there's still time. There's still time to be pleasing in the work that he has called you to do, in the task that he has laid before you. You may not be a preacher. You may not be a missionary. That doesn't matter. What he's asked you to do as an individual Christian, are you doing it? Are you doing it in a way that will bring him glory and honor here? And bring you reward there? If not, then we ought to give some consideration to what we are doing. All the while praising him that he is not marking iniquities and keeping a record of our sins. But that he has already washed them away in his blood. Sinner. Those of you who are here this morning who have never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, there's not been that time that you said, Jesus, I know I am a sinner. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again from the dead that I might have eternal life and I want you to save my soul. If there's never been that time that you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself, not just believe that he exists, but you have trusted in him for your salvation. If you've never done that, 
then you're depending on your works to gain you acceptance at the judgments before which you will be judged. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. If you're here this morning and you're lost, you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Yes, by believing on Him, you can avoid the judgment of the nations. You can avoid the great white throne judgment. And that's a good thing. But it's so good to be washed from your sins in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so good to know Him as Savior. There's no life like the Christian life. And if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, I urge you strongly, once you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today, Christian, how's your work? Let's stand with heads bowed as we pray. Preacher, you come.